G'day community, welcome to the podcast. I am Lechdog. I'm this is an addendum I don't know if that's the correct word, but it sounds smart to the start of the podcast because since recording Brody Grundy has been ruled out for ten to twelve weeks. Mark Pitnett has been ruled out for two to three months, which brings the total ruck carnage from the last week to English going down with a hammy, Dixon going down with some sort of infection, Sean Darcy getting injured in the Blues game, Hayes from St. Kilda going down with an ACL Grundy, Marshall getting corked, and Pitnett all getting injured. So there's a lot of Ruckman going down. We touch on it later in the podcast, but obviously we didn't know Grundy was injured, so I'm just going to run through some scenarios for what to do with Grundy, obviously he's now a trade. Who do we look to? If you're not a Gorn owner and you want to take the risk and upgrade him at a substantial cost, it costs about $120,000, that's always an option. But we're going to look at other options here because there's a lot of steps down in the rucks. I'm not going to recommend Jared Witts, despite talking about how good he is in the podcast. Can he sustain a 114-point Average through the rest of the season. History would probably dictate no, though. If you want to take that risk, that's fine by me. Riley O'Brien averaging 105.5 at 522 grand. It nets you 22 grand. If you're an owner of Tristan Zeri or Luke Jackson or Tim English, assuming he comes back in the next couple of weeks, and you have them in your forward line, you could swing them into R2 for the time being, assess the situation with more data later on in the season, and then look to bring in premiums from the forward line, the midfield, or the back line. That is an option. That's probably an option that I'm going to take personally. I'm probably going to look at going Tristan Zeri into my R2 spot with Hayes on the bench and bring in a couple of premiums that have dropped a little bit in price around the grounds. The other option, of course, we actually mentioned this on the podcast, it's not too late to jump on Braden Pruce. Yes, he went up $94,000 this week. He is $298,400 now, averaging 109.3 from his three games. Plenty of cash to make for Braden Pruce. He has a break-even of negative 46, scored well with Matt Flynn in the team as well, so the hope there would be that he becomes a premium in the style of Jared Witts from the start of the season. Peter Laddams is, Laddams is someone I'm also looking at as a bit of a ruck forward. He's not a full, fully-fledged primo, but with three scores of 63, 117, and 164. is an option as a bit of a mid-term solution, but I imagine most coaches out there, if they don't have Braden Pruce, are going to be trading Grundy down to Braden Pruce. If you do have Braden Pruce and, say, a Gorn, with Pruce at R3, well, trading Brody Grundy down to Sam Hayes is a pretty easy decision, which will net you about 420 grand, which you can then go shopping with around the ground. It's a rough year for Rux. Ben McAvoy's out, obviously, with that fractured neck. Nick Natanui's out for most of the season. Tom Hickey is out for the next few weeks as well. Scott Lysett's out for basically the season. So the Rux have been falling down. I've seen a few question marks. Hugh Dixon, apparently potential to come back in a couple of weeks. A few people have asked me about Tom DeConning because he scored 97 on the weekend. I think personally he's going to get reasonably towed up by mature Ruckman throughout the year. So he's not a guy that I'm going to be looking to for super coach. So yeah, it's basically flip, uh, flip Grundy down to Pruce or Hayes or and then go shopping in the other lines. I think that's basically the option, unless you think Riley O'Brien or Jared Witt can be fully-fledged primos come season end. And just by virtue of not being injured right now, maybe they will. Maybe they will, but you've got to look at what they're going to give you moving forward, not what they've given you in the past. And from that from the past, as in this season, and from that perspective, it's why... If I was going to go to a straight up, just another in quotation marks premium, I'm looking at all of their injury histories and I'm probably going, Riley O'Brien, you play a lot of games. I'm interested in you. But if you are a Tim English owner you, and you can hold long enough and you can flip around with DPPs, that's, uh, he's a pretty decent R2 to have sitting there. 
All right, now on to the podcast hole. Kick the goal, Cyril! What a beauty! G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. I am Dog and I am joined by a couple of beautiful boys. One out west, Damo, how are you? I'm good, Lek, how are you? I'm fantastic despite your boys doing what we thought they would do and toweling up the blues. I still love you. One of us had to win, didn't we? I was nervous. After that first quarter, I was nervous. Oh god, you haven't watched enough Carlton games then. <laughs> there was we we were never going to win that game. But that's all right. We'll move on, we'll push on. We've got Azaz mob this week the Blues, so hopefully we can get a win over North. On the other end of the spectrum, hello. It's Patchy boy. How are hello. you mate? Oh, leg dog. I am a big old pile of misery guts. Anything uh, specific? Yes, all of the things specific. Just, oh, my team is very bad and very unappealing and very not scoring points. Um, and my super coach team also sucks as well. Um, but you know what? I'm still not sure that the result's going to stand from today's Anzac Day game because <laughs> we've just like you, you look at it, and a couple of minutes into the fourth quarter, you know, two minutes in, Guelph kicks a goal, we're up. You know, we're in front, and then suddenly we're not in front a few minutes later. And what's the deal with that? Like, that just, that's not how collusion. that should work. It's collusion, honestly. And they're just stealing this game from us. And there's going to be a recount and investigation. And I wouldn't be surprised if they overturn it, to be honest with you. So watch this space. Um, watch this space. I, I, I had a similar point of view. I'm pretty sure the, the Blues will end up going 22-0 and by the end of the year. Um Retroactively, of course, they'll have to take a couple of wins from all these other peptide-taking teams. But until we cross that bridge, let's talk super coach, gentlemen. Let's talk super coach. By the way, if the we're going to try and keep the vibes up, but I think a couple of us are pretty oh. hungover at this point. <laughs> so we're recording on Monday night. Um, so I let's... wish I was hungover. That's how bad I am right now. I... All right, let's let's try and go into it. Good vibes. What were the good things that happened to your team this week? Like, dog, name one good thing. Good vibes. Oh, where do you pick? Because I actually had a half-decent round. I'm not really sure how because I, I had 11 players score under 100 but still managed to, you know, score over 2,200 and, and climb some ranks. So I guess I guess it'll be the, the one I probably willed into existence, and that's, that's Matt Rowell. Tunning up 103 super coach points for Matt Rowe, which is not like heaps to write about, but I went out on a limb and, and backed him in and said on Twitter that I thought he'd I thought I thought he'd go huge and 103 is huge for him this year. So happy, happy with that. And yeah, I think that'll be my positive vibe. I I think that will be. There's another man I want to talk about, but I don't want to take two. So Patch, how about you? Who, who's your positive vibe? Um look, we'll go Clayton Oliver, friend of the pod, Clayton Oliver. Um, we can a, say that now, can't we? We can say that. He is a friend of the pod, um, despite not really wanting to talk to us. Um, and not knowing who his Ruckman is. No, but is. I feel like they're incidental details, um, really. We're both shaking his hand, and that's enough for me. 168 points, had an ablet, the um, the old 40 touches, 20 contested touches, and 10 clearances or tackles? Clearances. Um, 168 points. That's good. That's good stuff from Clayton. Big fan. Big thumbs no, it's, up. It's, it's great. It was a huge, huge, huge game for him. Well done to anyone who managed to slap the C on him. Damo, what is your positive from round six, 2022? Gee, there's not a lot, really. Uh, good vibes, Damo. Good vibes. Please, I need this. Will Brody. Yeah. We paid 224k for a guy who could potentially be a top 10 forward. 
Averaging 99.8, another 103. Just getting better as the weeks go by, Damo. Is there any risk that, I guess, the downside, the potential downside is like, is Nat Fife a potential downside for him? No, I was thinking about it before, and I think when Nat Fife comes back, they will try and work out a way to have Fife. Uh, Brayshaw, Brody, and Sarong all in the centre at one time, meaning David Mundy's more likely the one that gets pushed out to a winger up forward. Does that mean Fife is rocking? No, no. It's like it's like the Blues have Hewitt and Cripps and Kennedy I... and Walsh and Chera all in the centre bounce somehow. I'm being very silly. Ignore me. We should shout out a positive, another positive we should shout out, just a general positive. Kellen Mills today, 214 super coach points. Puts him in the top 30 for the highest scores of all time. A huge uh, huge bounce back game, added 60K to his total. And all of a sudden, this guy's 632,000 and absolutely flying. He's now the third ranked player this year, thanks to that huge 214. So shout out to him and anyone who has him in their team. Well done to you. Let's do our negatives because it's a bit of a yin and a yang over here. What are we going to talk about in our negatives? For me, gentlemen, it has to be, well, I mean, there's a few, but it's Lockie Whitfield again. I don't know what happened to this man. 65 points, averaging 78, lost another 20K. He's lost 60K for the year. His break-even's 120. He's going to lose more money. He's bleeding cash. He's not scoring points. Despite the fact that he is he is finding the pill, he's just useless with it. He's absolutely useless with it this year. And I'm kind of stuck with him. I know a lot of coaches out there are stuck with him. It feels like he's probably going to be one of those ones that we have to upgrade last. But I don't know. I can talk myself into him playing well against Adelaide this week, but I, I don't know if either of you guys have him, but I am I am disappointed. I was so close to trading him to several players. Um, I actually had him to Tim English locked in and then English did a hamstring, which obviously we'll talk about a bit later on. Um, and, you know, if, if that hadn't have happened, maybe I'd have pulled the pin, but Alas, I didn't, and alas, I still have him, and alas, I wish I'd have tits on a ball in my back line because they would be just as effective, just as useful, and scoring as many super coach points as Lockie Whitfield. Well, do you have a, a separate negative, or are we going to double down together on Lockie Whitfield? Um, I mean, if I get stuck into super coach negatives, I will run this pod to its 40-minute uh, target time in this segment. Um, so I'm going to mix the super coach one with the real life football one, which is Paddy McCartan having a head knock, which just awful to see. Um, he looked like he was okay. Um, uh, was walking around with a smile on his face after the game, but the, the shots in the rooms of him looking pretty distraught after failing the concussion test were pretty dire and, you know, just kind of exemplified just how concerning it is, um, and, and how, you know, how close he is to, to not playing footy again. Um, so nobody liked seeing that. Um, hopefully he's all all good. Um, but again, we will discuss what to do with him from a super coach perspective a bit later on in the podcast arena. What about you, Damo? What what brought you down this week? I don't think we've got enough time, to be honest. I, I, can, I can go through a bit, a bit of a list. Um, can, can, can I do two? Go on. Hit us with two. Took Miller tagged Lockie Neal. So th- there were two of my players who were essentially useless this week, and I had the captaincy on Lockie Neal as well. And why was Luke Beveridge putting Jack McRae in the ruck? You don't win <laughs> friends with salad. You don't win friends with salad. Well, I the ruck was interesting this week. Uh, some You know, obviously bad news with Jake, Jack Hayes going down with injury. Jared Witts is showing again that he's dominant. Grawn and Grundy both scored pretty well. But I think the highlight for me in the ruck this week was was in the Carlton game demo where Will Setterfield is suddenly Carlton's number two ruckman. And I got to say, he had a hit out to advantage with his second attendance. And I think it might work. I think we got to back him in. Is this J-Rel? Are we into some weird alternate J-Rel dimension where... The person nearest the ball is the ruckman? 
exactly. Is Charlie Ballard going to take a, a specky from a, a boundary throw-in next week? In one of the old AFL live games on Xbox, there was an achievement for get, winning a ruck hit out with the smallest player on your list. So uh, using Eddie Betts to get a hit out for an achievement was one of the crowning jewels in my gaming uh, my gaming crown. So it feels a little bit like that. It's a bit silly, isn't it? It's very silly. But you know what? I'm here for it. It's fine. It's fun. Like, sure. Well, let's let's jump into things. Let's jump into... I guess the players that we have to trade out first, and then we can look at some potential trade-ins. Amongst the, the the headlines are probably, as you said, Patch, Paddy McCartan, Jack Hayes. They'll both need to be culled. Uh, there's going to be discussions about Rochelle, Horn Francis. Where do we want to start, guys? Do we want to go line by line? Do we want to go rookies? What, what do we think? Uh, well, I think we, we tackle the injuries first. They're the... The ones, well, actually, no, maybe we should go line by line because maybe we can hold the injured players ahead of those that have really high break evens. What do I know? Damo, you know more than I do. What should we be doing here? I think we'll go, we'll start in defense and we'll chat about Paddy McCartan and hopefully him sitting out of that Swans game was more precautionary than damning. And hopefully it's just a week that he is out. Who knows if he comes back and Sydney would prefer him to wear a helmet. But I think just on the scenes from today's game, he's probably. He's probably someone who you should think about trading out at this stage. On the flip side, though, to play a devil's avocado, if you will, um, we've got Josh Gibkus turning up for his first 100 in Supercoach this week. Sam DeConning coming along nicely, scored the 66. I think he had 60 the week before as well. There's potentially enough cover that McCartan, if you've got all three of them back there, could provide a reasonably nice loop with Richmond playing on the Friday night. Um and he could well hold with a break-even still of 44. But again, wouldn't begrudge anyone for trading Paddy this week. Yeah, because his money's not going to go anywhere and it, and people will probably prefer to check the injury report once we hear it. Um, I assume Sydney will send him for some sort of scan just to make sure there's not any more damage that than there already has been. But um, it was a worrying sign, and obviously away from Supercoach, hopefully he's okay and can continue his um, pretty inspiring resurgence at the Swans. Yeah, I think for me it's pretty simple. Like if you can upgrade him and you've got no other issues, that's fine. His break even's still low enough that if he does, if he's fine and comes to plays, he should still make some cash. It's not the end of the world stuff in a Supercoach sense um, for Paddy McCartan. We just obviously hope that he can get back on the field, and I think if your priority this week is upgrading him. You're doing a lot better than us. So you can probably take some solace in that. Was there any other major injuries in defense, gentlemen, that is going to affect super coaches out there? Is Jordan Ridley being apathetic late in games an injury or... (laughs) Well, well, it's funny because injuries are the reason that he was apathetic because he essentially didn't score for a quarter and a half in the end there. Should have been on track for an easy ton, but then Laverde, who was injured early in the game, finally gets subbed off in that uh, third quarter and all of a sudden Ridley is asked to play a bit more of a lockdown role and did not get another point after that, or if he did, it was quickly removed from uh, scaling. Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't good. Um, and honestly, that's one of the... There's just a weird abnormality. So many abnormalities in that game, and somebody really needs to do something. Someone just needs to to launch an investigation, and that's that's what I'm doing. Um, but no, I think that was pretty much it for the back line, unless, uh, unless you want to talk about Daniel Rioli, like dog, as a... As yeah, a well, there's a, there's a few players we can touch on. Oh, if, you, if you had Nathan Kruger, I don't think anyone does, but he was obviously subbed out. Um, True, yep subbed out in the game and he was a cash cow that a few people had looked at bringing in uh look we can we can ball these up into into a couple of names obviously you and you and i patched last week we traded in daniel rioli Mm. Mm. for some reason we thought that we wouldn't ruin him we did uh vloston and broad are scoring really really bloody well uh since rejoining the team and gibkus also scoring well which has meant that Rioli has had to sneak forward a little and uh, and certainly hasn't been impacting in the same way he was early in the season. Guys like him, 
Whitfield, Ridley, gentlemen. Patch, I'll start with you. And, and, you know, there's a whole bucket of names that you can throw here, but this ilk of player where they're not quite primo and they're not performing, are they a hold until the buy or are these guys that we should be actively, aggressively trading out of our teams if we haven't already? Look, I think if if you haven't traded them already, I feel like you're going to gain more out of trading uh, Paddy McCartan or Nathan O'Driscoll up and trying to upgrade your team around them and then coming back to them at the buys just because I think I, I think that improves your team more when you keep Ridley, who's somehow still averaging 90 or 87.3. I'm pretending it's 90, so I feel better about myself. But like, th- I'll throw in um, Jake Lloyd to this discussion as well, who's has played one less game than Lockie Whitfield, but has actually scored less total points than him. So if you had him all year, he's now dropped 73K, 513K, averaging 92. He's another guy you can throw in this name. Damo, do you have a, a different take to Patch or is your take to um, to bin these guys? I think if these sorts of players are your biggest issues in your team, then your team's going pretty well. And uh, they're probably players that you can at least keep until they're your final trade or if they're, I think they're going to be a luxury trade from now on. I think you can't really go back on what you've already done to yourself. And if you started these players, you're not losing a trade by holding on to them. So you may as well just wait until you've got all the rookies off the field first because these players are probably going to play most weeks because they're in the best 22, even if they aren't performing at the highest level at the moment. They're players who we might find bounces back after a while and eventually reaches what we hoped that they would reach. And getting the rookies off the field that it seemed to have the more uh, the more up and down score, scoring is probably more important than moving these guys who are going to be pumping out 80s every, every single week. Although I do acknowledge that hearing this and like even me hearing this now, it is the super, like the fantasy football equivalent of are saying, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself, as we just, like, shove your hand back onto your head. It hurts, and it's not your fault, and, oh, God, it's awful, but I still think the best move is trade your rookies up first and then deal with the rest of it later. Well, let's look, look, let's stay in defence. Let's look at some players that people can target out there. There's some interesting names popping up, if you, especially if you filter by average. You look at Nick Vlosten, number one in defence for average, 127 points across the two games since he came back, 155 on the weekend. Look, I don't think it's something he's going to continue doing, but at 460K, if you're willing to take the gamble, like I wish I did on Alex Witherton, who is now $570,000 and averaging 116 points a game, maybe there's some uh, some value because this year has shown that, that value, value is king and Vlosten is a guy that's averaged 90-plus in the past. So he's a guy I've got I've got on my radar, but I don't know if there's enough data there for for us to actually recommend him. I don't know if you guys have, feel any differently on a on a Nick Vlosten. I I have been a fan of Nick Vlosten and thought that a breakout could come, but I didn't know how it would come. And I think Josh Gibkiss coming into that side has freed Vlosten up a little bit enough to increase his average. I don't think he maintains 126 throughout the season, but. He's going to be someone that people will be tempted by, especially if he can hold this form for a, for a few more weeks. There's a bunch of guys that, you know, if you can afford them, sure, trade them in. Your Doherty's, your Hewitt's, your Sinclair's, guys that seem to have proven themselves. Relative value, because I think that's Ooh. where the discussion, like Sicily falls into that as well. But in terms of value, gentlemen, Dan Houston, while he is more expensive than he was at the start of the year, has maintained his scoring and he's averaging 108 and he's still only 505 thousand dollars defense mid eligible is dan houston someone that coaches should be considering he's had three tons this year and then a low score of 83 and a couple of 90s i hate that i think the answer is yes um i like he's playing up more on a wing he's getting a fair chunk of the ball carl amon seems to be on the outer for some reason um so i don't know if the ball's just funneling along his his wing um i haven't watched any port adelaide games because i don't hate myself that much just yet <laughs> um so I, I don't i'm not entirely sure where the points are coming from or what the role is but hey he's scoring points the stat line looks good um 
I, I suspect he'll keep going. Um, so he's certainly someone I'm considering this week. Um, Scott Penderbury as well. We spoke a little bit about him when the dual position uh, changes came into effect. He's 540K coming off a 109, uh, well, potentially revised when the AFL hands down their findings this week. <laughs> but, um, you know, there, there's, there, he's an option. Jaden Short is still somehow 526K, um, basically his starting price for the year, despite averaging 105. And Bailey a high Dale, break even too. Mm, Bailey Dale as well, 525K, averaging 103. What about some guys? I think they're all reasonable names, and I think you can pretty much project what those guys are going to do for the rest of the year. What about guys that coaches could consider uh, that have that have significantly cheaper than they were at the start of the year? I'm talking Damo, a Luke Ryan, a Daniel Rich. I'm not going to recommend a Jake Lloyd, but he's in that discussion if you believe he can get back to where he was. Caleb Daniel as well, who ha- hasn't played that well, but heading into upgrade season with some potential value. Are any of those names someone you're looking at? I don't know how I feel about Luke Ryan, to be completely honest. Justin Longmuir seems pretty uh, intent to only use three traditional, uh, sorry, two traditional tools. So Cox and Pierce are his, are his ideal two tools. And then Luke Ryan playing as the third. And when he plays as the third, he's not scoring as well as he did a few years ago when he was made to be that key defender. So I think a lot of responsibility has been taken off him with the run of Young and Chapman and Clark now. So he's probably not someone who will have the same role every week. And he even said on radio during the week as well that he's not even sure what role he's going to get every time he rolls up to a game. So given that we don't know what he's going to be doing each week is just enough for me to... to leave him alone. Um, Daniel Rich appears to be just doing his thing. Like he's probably someone who will average in the mid to high nineties and will be a decent prospect for someone who needs him, but isn't someone that you need to go out of your way to select. He's going to be a good option if he's there, but no one that you need to move heaven and earth to get. And Jake Lloyd, I think he, um, I think he's going to be, I think he's sort of been brought down to earth a bit and I I kind of thought this would happen with the recruitment of Paddy McCartan and the loss of Jordan Dawson. He's, he's not being required to intercept and seagull as much anymore. So I think Jake Lloyd might have, uh, I won't say fallen off a cliff because there's every chance that he can get back to where he was, but I don't think he's going to be the same Jake Lloyd that we've had in the past. And again, he's someone that, Probably will average in the 90s or ish, but uh, not someone that you need to go out of your way to select, even at this cut price value. Patch, Damo, that's that's awesome feedback, by the way, on on Ryan, and I agree with you on on Lloyd. The, before we move off, because we do need to move off the defensive line, couple, the the other guys I just wanted to touch on because I know that there's going to be questions about them. Dane Zorko uh, is now a hundred grand, essentially cheaper than he was at the start of the season. Defense mid eligible five hundred k. I don't think he's a good trade in target. I just wanted to get your quick thought on him, Patch. No, I mean we spoke about it last week that his ankle is held together with gaffer tape, and we don't know if it actually functions or not. Um, and that's normally just a little bit of a red flag in my books. Yep. Um, there's two names I've, I'm not going to talk about them much. I'm not trading them in this week, um, but one is to keep an eye on. Uh, Kadean Coleman played his first game for the year, scored a 76 um, defense forward at 263K, was in a lot of preseason teams. Keep an eye out for how he goes next week. And also, if Nick Hind stays out of the Essendon side, I'm going to keep watching Mason Redmond. Had 108 this week looked really good. Hind looked, I thought, average as the sub. Um, maybe there's a bit more scope for him, but again, not going near him this week. Just one to keep an eye on. Yeah. Another one to keep an eye on. Sorry, just to cut you off yeah, there, yeah, Leg. Um, Nathan Broad is averaging 103. Um, I don't think he's a super coach option yet, but he's kind of got a bit of Stephen May about the way that he's scoring. Oh, I, like you're not wrong, but hearing it, just actually hearing those words makes me feel physically ill. Luke McDonald was my other name, who we mentioned last week on the pod, came out and got a 102 this week, had 22 touches, 15 of them were kicks. 
was hurt by having a few frees against, and he's a guy that up against the Blues this week, I suspect. We always like to take an average player and make him into a superstar, so I suspect that that'll happen this week. Let's jump in to the midfield, gentlemen. Um, there are a couple of cash cows that we can we can discuss here. Um, some of them have played two games. Some of them have played a couple more because subs and whatnot have ruined how the cash cow system works. Patch, Ben Hobbs, break even of negative 10, scored 34 on the weekend, projected to go up 27K. He is $153,000 in the midfield. Is he the number one target this week? Um, you know, if you'd asked me six hours ago before the Anzac Day game, I'd have said yes. And if you'd asked me before I'd checked the scores of the Anzac Day game in terms of the, the Supercoach scores, uh, I also would have said yes. But he only scored 34, apparently, which is not as many points as I thought he would have scored and will also hamper cash generation. Um, I think... The Bombers are in all sorts. He will continue to get games. He did some really nice things. I'm not sure where he lost the points, but that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes in this caper. So I, I would suspect he's he's looking quite good um, as a trade-in target this week and it is certainly someone I will be looking at. I must admit, when I was looking at on fan footy and I was looking at the scores at about in the, about three-quarter time, I was kind of surprised to see Ben Hobbs so far down the list with his total. He didn't look like a player who was struggling to get over 30 super coach points. He, I thought he would be at least at 50 to 60 points, and I think he's better than, than the 34 suggests, and I think he's still someone who will average 65 to 70 across however long you keep him before you up, upgrade him. Finn Callahan had the 76 this week as well. And if the Giants, if you, you dare dip your toe into the water there at 200k, he could maybe be an option potentially. But the midfield was not a, uh, a fruitful uh, points, bre- uh, points or cash generation breeding ground from our young rookies this week, which is a little bit concerning. Um, mm. So The only other name that I'll, I'll mention is Marcus Windiger, who or Windhager, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but St. Kilda mid-forward, he has played three games now, 51 on the weekend, break-even of negative 11, has only gone up 26K um, because uh, he hasn't been scoring very much. So, But he, he's a, another potential option to look at in mm. that price range. Or, or Lech, Dog and Damo, we could go early on Greg Clark, who's been confirmed to make his debut for the Eagles this week. Well, you know the rule. We don't go early on rookies, and we never would, except I did it last week on the podcast. But he, yeah, I, I don't know. With If he hadn't had question marks, like if he hadn't got injured, I could consider going early on him, but I just, I'm just personally not not going to do it. I'm I just mean, not going to do it. The fact he's had two waffle games, and Damo, I think he's done pretty He's had 16 tackles across those two games, and for a bloke coming back from a shoulder, that seems like a good sign. Maybe, please encourage my my ludicrous and outrageous behavior please enable shoulder, me shoulder injuries scare me because he didn't get a reconstruction but it did pop out in the preseason and they rehabbed it they gave him the six to eight weeks they made sure that it was good to go but um yeah i'm really not sure I wouldn't go early, but he's definitely someone to look at in a couple of rounds' time for when he is on the bubble. Uh, on the weekend against South Fremantle, he had 25 disposals and seven tackles and three inside 50s. So he you know, he uses the ball well, and he wouldn't be part of the Subiaco premiership team from the last few years if he wasn't any, any good. So Nick Martin came from the same factory, so... Hopefully, Greg Clark scores just as well as Nick Martin, if not better. Right, before we jump into the premiums, just very quickly, in the middle of the table, we have Matty Rowell and Patrick Lala Lapinski, who have both been a little bit middling. Lapinski picked up forward mid eligibility, only scored the 62 this week, has a three-round average of 79. Is it time to jump off, Paddy Lapinski, gentlemen? What's his break-even patch? Do you have that in front of you? Uh, I can have it up in a couple of seconds. 91. He's one you could consider 
upgrading. I think he, like his scoring's been solid enough that I, I I don't think he's a must trade. And I think well, actually while we're discussing this, let's talk Dacos, Horn, Francis, and Rochelle as well. Let's knock all these out. Um, I'd I'd be okay to move off Lipinski, Matty Rowell, tons up, brings the break even down to sixty six. The ton sits in the in the rolling average for a couple of weeks. He's regenerated somewhat his cash his cash generation. So he's a guy that I, I think I'm going to be happy holding on to probably through until the buyers now at this point, um, this far into the season. I want to talk Horn Francis, Rochelle and Dacos. I think Dacos is an easy hold for super coaches out there. There's going to be a lot of coaches this week that trade out Jason Horn Francis. His break-even is 83. He scored 65 on the weekend. Yes, against the Blues, he's probably not going to hit that 83 break-even. I think he's going to get damn close. I think there's going to be a slight dip in his price, but the 39 he scored last week will will move out of his average. The break-even this week is an outlier. The break-even of 83 is an outlier. It's projected that that's going to drop back down into the 40s for the following rounds after that. And his price, while it will take a dip this week, is being projected to jump back up again afterwards. So for me, and I understand that a lot of people are going to want to get rid of him and upgrade him. For me, he's a relatively easy hold this week. I I don't know if you guys have any different thoughts on that. Jason Horn francis sort of sits in the same basket as Josh Rochelle, but I mean, Josh Rochelle is a small forward. I do like what the small forwards did against the Giants uh, for St. Kilda, though. So there is every chance that at Adelaide Oval, Josh Rochelle does get on the end of a few and boosts his score up. But um, I think Rochelle is the one you got to trade if you're tossing up between the two. Um, but I think there's cases to hold both. And Horn Francis, like, like you said, if he can get close to the 83 that he's projected or whatever he's projected to score, then his break even is going to be fine for the next few weeks. He's going to continue to make money. He's going to get more towards the 350K to even could get to 400K if he has a good game out of the block some, somewhere. So um, I think he's probably the one to hold out of Joshua Shelley because I've got more faith in Jason Horn Francis getting midfield minutes, which is where he seems to score all his, all of his points, than Joshua Shelley. I guess the downside is, Patch, that if he scores 30 this week, you've then lost cash and also that break-even's going to blow out again. Yeah, I think it's very similar to the the Jimmy Rowe equation we had last year where, you know, he had a few poor scores. A lot of people jumped off and he came out and had two 80s in a row and suddenly did, you know, skyrocket towards that 400K and just make that extra little bit of cash. But by and large, we're in upgrade season now. We're at the point where we're trying to improve our teams and get premiums in. Rochelle's done his job, done very, very well. Um, now is, I think, the time to move him on from a super coach perspective. You know, if he's if you've got other bigger priorities, go for them ahead of him. But I, I would be moving Rochelle on this week because as much as he could score 115 and, and skyrocket again, I think it's slightly more likely that he has a, a 40 or 50. And I'd, I'd rather, you know, if I'm picking someone to move on, I'd rather him ahead of Horn Francis, Dacos, Martin, Etc. And even would rather to move him on ahead of Paddy McCartan or Jack Hayes if you had to pick just two of them, um, just due to the fact that Rochelle is more likely than not to lose cash. And then if he does, if he does lose cash, he will continue to lose it. Let's talk upgrades, Patch, because you you mentioned it's upgrade season. Obviously, oh these guys at the top of the chat of the top of the list. If you want to back them in, you should back them in. But I'm going to just highlight some of the top guys that are are presenting value for us. Jack Steele, 140 on the weekend. He's now 34K cheaper than he was at the start of the season. Tom Mitchell, 105. Three-round average of 122. 54K cheaper than he was at the start of the year. Clayton Oliver will be the most traded-in player this week. 618K, 53K cheaper than he was at the start of the year with a score of 168. And Sam Walsh, 35K cheaper than he was at the start of the year, 601,000. I think they're all guys that are going to be really heavily traded in this week. I don't think we need to spend heaps of time on any of those guys, but they do prevent, present some value. What I do want to know, Patch, from you, Zach Merritt comes back, plays his third game, 
scores 123, his break-even is 121, $621,000. Is he someone that we should be targeting for our upgrades? Um, look, potentially. He he looked like he hadn't missed too much of a beat somehow despite coming back from syndesmosis, which has gone from being a 12-week you know, season killer to a four-week injury to, to Zach Merritt and Sam Walsh. And I don't know what to make of it, but... Sure, I guess um, he's back, so that makes me very happy. Um, yeah, he's he's going to do what he's done the last couple of years. He'll average that one fifteen. He's a little bit underpriced for that. He's a massive pod with just one thousand and seventy five teams owning him. Yeah, I, I think he's a good pick. Um, but that said, you can have Paddy Cripps for a hundred and a hundred thousand and one hundred dollars cheaper um, if you Patch. don't have Cripps. Mm. You you took the words right out of my mouth there. Another guy who returned from injury, Patrick Cripps, comes out and plays like he hasn't missed a beat, basically, and scores 139. You can pick up Patrick Cripps, probably the same sort of output as Zach Merritt is going to produce for 100k cheaper. And it's probably the same sort of injury risk as well, because Zach Merritt could re-injure his ankle just as much as Patrick Cripps could re-injure his hamstring. I think that's a really good call. Cripper... He did. He did. He, his, uh, like I said, uh, I we were talking offline or in in our group chat. I was caned by a lot of Carlton fans because I was happy that we re-signed him to a long-term extension because apparently it was too much money for a guy that was no good anymore. Turns out he's still pretty good. Didn't predict that his super coach form would return to this. One hundred and thirty-nine points, a shitload of touches, and three goals a game. Oh, not three goals a game. Three goals. He's kicked at least one goal every game this year he is he should feast upon north although historically doesn't love playing them that much agree i think he's a a really solid selection at 521k similar price range patch your boy tom green still turning up still turning up and one of the highest ranked players this year he is he's um but that said he's cooled a little bit started the season like a house on fire three round average of 105 i think Come season's end, it's between 105 and 110, so I don't think he's going to be that uber primo option. But if you're scrounging around, you don't have a lot a lot of cash, he's, he's still going to average that. He'll still be better than a rookie. I still think he's a good buy, but I don't expect him to be you know, top 10 by season's end. I think next year might be the year he, he potentially pushes into that territory. But this year, you know, we'll, we'll break out, but you've missed a lot of that that bargain value um, at this stage now. And I think he's, he's plateauing slowly. So I'm not, I'm not as crash hot on Tom Green over the rest of the season as I was seeing him burst out of the blocks early on. Damn. And that's fair. And I think I was going to mention Josh Kelly as well, but I think it's a similar boat. I, I don't know what's going on over there at GWS. It's, it's madness. Damo, a couple of names which I think can kind of fit in a similar boat to each other. Took Miller is 100 grand cheaper than he was. We need to address him because a lot of coaches have him and aren't happy, and a lot of coaches don't have him and are licking their lips, but should they be? And I'll throw in Christian Petrarca in that same boat, who's 50K cheaper as well. Petrarca and Miller, what do we make of them, and should we be bloody bringing them into our super coach teams? I think with Petrarca, teams are working out that he's the one to tag and usually it's Oliver that's had to deal with having the close attention, but now they're realizing that Petrarca is the one that regularly gets on the scoreboard, regularly gets the clearance, um, and he's the one that they need to clamp down on. And even the Tigers closely checked him and the Tigers don't tag. So that's that, that's how influential teams are seeing Petrarca as being. And Took Miller is, has thrown has had a throwback and was tagging Lockie Neal on the weekend and <laughs> to I mean the positive thing about Took Miller though was um he was he was tackling again and yeah he only scored 99 but he was on I think he was on negative points at quarter time yeah so so he scored 100 points in basically three quarters so eight, eight tackles after not having any in the last two rounds so I think Took Miller's going to be okay. I think I think I think from now on we we should see an improvement from Took Miller um, as long as Stuart Jew doesn't get him to tag anymore. Hopefully, but we have seen some taggers score really well, and Callum Mills is 
the example of that. So I don't think tagging or being a tagger means the be all and end all of your super coach relevancy. It's just how well you tag and how you tag to how relevant that you can be. And I think took needs to go back to his ball winning ways for Gold Coast to be any, to be any chance of uh, moving its way up the ladder. And, and that's not to, uh, and that's not to rub some dirt on Gold Coast because they've got some very passionate fans out there. And I think Gold Coast is going to be a very good team in a few years time. Once everything is all clicked together and Ben King is back at, is, is, is back in the goal square. But, um, at the moment, there's a few things there for them to clean up, and I think Took Miller getting back to his ball-winning ways will, will be the start of that. Well, it's Noah Anderson's turn to tag next week. He's, they've gone Raoul, they've gone Took. It'll be Anderson next week, and then Fairini the week after, and then, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, I don't know what's going on up there. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly one for people to watch out for. While there is a little bit of concern over Petrarca and you know teams paying him more attention over the next four weeks he plays Hawthorne, North Melbourne and West Coast in those four weeks as well as St Kilda and that could be a lot of points for somebody at 550k so I'll be very much looking at bringing him in this week. Let's jump into the ruck line fellas obviously if you own Jack Hayes and it's a good opportunity to probably turn him into a Sam Hayes is that his name? Sam Hayes? Yes. He's in my team. I traded him before he played a game. Tusk, tusk indeed. We don't trade in rookies before their time. But uh, why should people now jump on, Lech, do you reckon? Uh, break even negative 97, yeah, averaging 85, scored 94 yeah. on the weekend. Yeah, I'll pay Mate, that. He's going to jump. He's predicted to jump 82K this week. He'll go straight to 200K. The other guy who's playing really well is Braden Proust, but I, re- I imagine if he, like, he, there is there is still value in trading him in with a break-even of negative 46, scoring 109 if you don't have him. But obviously, of the two, I'm always going to recommend that Sam Hayes would be the one that you trade in to your R3 position because he's, you know, 180K cheaper. And also because Leon Cameron is scary and could drop him for no reason whatsoever and bring in Kieran Briggs or just play Matt Flynn or put Tom Green in the ruck because of course he does. Mumford, 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 Mumford. Bring him the back. Other guy, the other guy we need to discuss because it happened after last week's pod, Tim English. Tim, Timmy, Timmy, Timmy English. Hamstring. They've said like one to two weeks, two to three weeks. It's probably going to be he's missed one game. He's going to miss a couple more. If you've got him, is he a hold or are we concerned about the hammy? Do we trust that the Bulldogs are telling us the right timeline? What What's the vibe from you guys? Because for me, if I could move him on, I think if I could move him on, I probably would if I started him. If I traded him in, I probably would feel guilty that I have to keep him. I think either way, I think he's probably a hold. I don't trust the Bulldogs in the slightest to tell us what the hell is going on between their four walls um, because they're all terrified of telling anyone anything um, on account of the whole Bevo situation. But we're not going there. We're not We're not tossing over that, that pile of bees, um, turning over that hornet's nest. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> holding... We're not touching that pile of bees. <laughs> it's a pile of bees. Who put that there? No wonder I'm head B guy in uh, in the Jock Reynolds <laughs> sanctum. I'd be holding him. Uh, I don't have him, but I think, you know, trading him out, you, you want to bring him back in at some stage and, uh, yeah, just easier to just hold him and upgrade around um, around that bench spot. Patch, I'm scared, though. Is it because of the bees? Now that Stefan Martin is in, I don't think Stefan Martin goes out. I, uh, yeah, no, I think he does. I think Josh Shackey goes out for Tim English. Uh, don't they have somebody else who needs to come in for Shackey? Don't know. Bevo will probably play Caleb Daniel in the ruck. I don't think we need to stress too much. I think it's a valid discussion. Steph Martin, every other club's running two ruckmen. Is Bevo, but I just think Bevo's not a man who's going to change his point of view. I, I, I think I lean in the Tim English comes back Steph Martin gets kicked to the curb. I think that's I think yeah. that's where I'm sitting. 
Well, yeah, Josh Shackey didn't have any hitouts on the weekends. He wasn't playing in the ruck. They had Zane no. Cordy in the ruck, and Jack McRae was playing in the ruck. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they, yeah. I, I don't know. I think who knows what's happening down at that club, but I, I'm not concerned in the slightest by Steph Martin lingering in that side when Tim English is back. All right. Well, let's let's quickly move on. I'll just shout out Riley O'Brien, Peter Laddams playing well, Jared Witts absolutely dominating, and Grundy and Gorn had uh, solid weeks as well. I would want Luke Jackson owned his patch. He's a ruck forward who's not really performing that well of over the last couple of games. No. Um, 68 and 60 in the last two, 126 and then 78. Is he someone, as we move into the forward line, that coaches should be looking to move? Or what's what's your vibe? I mean, if you started him, then you can probably maybe move him on. And, and yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't made heads or tails of what they're doing. I think they'll have weeks where they just say, no, nope, we're going to give Max a spell and, and Luke can have a bit more of a run. He was always going to be up and down this year, and if you didn't think that when he traded him in, then I don't think you were thinking it through all that clearly. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd probably... Depends on the rest of your team, I guess, but he'll he'll fluctuate between scoring 60s and having games where he scores 120. Like, that's just what he's going to do all year, and if you want that, then keep him. If you don't want that, then throw him in a pile of bees or something. I don't know. I'm not your mum. <laughs> Damo, Malcolm Roses didn't play. A lot of coaches had to adjust their trade plans. His break-even's negative 71. If he gets up this week, well, do you think he'll get up this week? Stuart Jew thinks, seems to think so. So does Michael Whiting, and Michael Whiting seems to have his finger on the pulse for these sorts of things. So um, I, I would say Malcolm Roses comes in. Do you uh, so he's probably the the number one target if he plays for super coaches out there this week in terms of cash cows? He's probably the cash cow if he plays, yes. So we can tick him off as a trade in. in terms of trade outs, is Tristan Zeri, you mentioned him pre pod demo, is he someone we're looking to move on yet? I think he's someone who you don't have to trade out, but he's someone who's probably getting to the end of his rope. Um He's getting to the point where he's either needs a rest or he needs Todd Goldstein to take a little bit more of the hitouts or something, just something to give him a little bit of a break for one week. And uh, this week against Carlton, that who knows where Mark Pitney is going to be. So um, not playing is where he'll be. <laughs> so Tristan Sherry could have have a big score and send his break even down and get another kickstart in his cash generation, but. He's someone who's probably getting to the end of his life as a cash cow. All right. We are, of course, running out of time. So let's look at some some trade-in options for super coaches out there. Once again, I'm not advocating a trade-in, but Taylor Walker turned up for the third game in a row. I'm just putting that out there. Patch, Connor Rosie, is, is this legit? Is this midfield time legit? Because he scored 153 points to back up his, I think he had a 91 against the Blues. Is this legit? I, I Again, I don't know. I haven't been watching port games because I've been watching a pile of bees writhe around on the floor and it's been more entertaining and better for my sanity. So I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what situation um, Port are in and maybe he's been the spark that brought them to life. Maybe the spark was the fact that they were playing a waffle side um, and they wanted to give him a run. I Sure, if you feel like, taking the plunge, I guess. Damo, do you know what he's been doing? I don't know if Connor Rosie is the real deal, but Connor Rosie playing in the middle scares me for Zach Butters owners like myself. Um, I mean, Butters did look very tired and he did have gastro earlier in the week, meaning that he probably wasn't a hundred percent and may have should, and may should have been rested. So, uh, I don't know. I feel like Rosie and Butters could could have weeks where they interchange their scoring and roles, and and weeks where they're both in there together, and roles where then where one's forward and one's in the midfield. It's I don't think it's something that we can go towards just yet. Robbie Gray injured in that game as well. Iced um, iced up his knee, and if you believe Ken Hinckley, he's fine. I don't. Hmm. I, I choose do not, not to believe. I do not believe Ken Hinckley. 
Well, at sub 400k, I, I don't mind a punt on Connor Rosie, but it, you know he's projected to go from 398k to about not this week, but over the course of the season to about 480k by Supercoach Gold. I don't know if that's super accurate, but it's someone to consider. Zach Bailey is by one of my, as everyone who know, listens to the pod knows, one of my favourite players in the AFL. He was very good again, 135 to back up his 104. He's up and down. He's very much like a Butters demo. He's up and down in his scoring. But at this stage, the ups are very up. And he's averaging, uh, what's he averaging on the year? 95 on the year. He's going to be around for that total points discussion come season end. So I like him as a trade-in option. Do you guys have anyone else in the forward line that you'd be you'd be looking at hitting up heading into upgrade season? I don't know uh, if I'd be looking to hit him up, but I just realized that Rory Lobb is averaging 96 and only has one score below 88. I, I don't know what to do with that information, Damo. I think we should push on as quickly as we can. <laughs> Quick, before anyone can actually think rationally about it, Tom Libertore is averaging 100 on the dot, scored 600 points from six games, three-round average of 111.7, 137 on the weekend in 901 Supercoach sides and is now mid-forward plays Essendon this weekend. Um, and after that, Port Adelaide and then Collingwood and could score a lot of points. And he's $535,000 dues. How many dogs is too many dogs? Yes. Yeah. I think um, that's my only qualm, but he's he's since like the first couple of weeks he was kind of kept out of that midfield rotation. He's injected himself back in. He's a pod. He's scoring well. He's cheaper than he was at the start of the year. It's it's he's in a position where traditionally you struggle for guys who are going to average over a hundred. So like it's all ticks. It's all ticks. But why do I have myself feeling a little uneasy about it? It's it's the bevo factor, and you don't win friends with salad. But and again, like how many dogs can you have before either COVID rips through them, or they have the buy, um, or God forbid they have what Essendon had and have three buys in a row. Um, yeah, I don't know, but he's he's the name that really jumps out to me. Adam Trelaw is not fu- by the way has only scored nineteen points less than him in his forty k cheaper. That's also very well. How many dogs is too many dogs, like dog. That's too many dogs in one sentence, I'll tell you that much. Hot dog, we have a winner. Um, <laughs> Luke Parker scored 100 on the weekend as well, and I still don't know how to feel about it, but he keeps scoring points. So, yeah, make make what you will with that information. Either you really want to bring in Luke Parker or you're confused and concerned like me, and maybe you won't. I'm also looking at Tim Taranto, who scored 63 on the weekend, will drop in price if you're one of the 80 or 79% of teams that don't own him. Um, he's now got a break-even of 150 and will drop in price over the next few weeks, which is exciting. Damo, I know you've got thoughts on this. He looked scared to touch the ball on Friday night. Every time the ball came with him, he would jump over it. Is I mean, apart from the fact that he looked like he was scared of the ball, um, did Toby Green factor into his scoring, do we think? I don't know what Toby Green did, to be honest. Stephen Cornelio only attended one centre bounce and Toby Green attended two. So I don't I don't I don't know where I don't know what happens. But Tim Taranto just looked scared to touch the ball. Stephen Cornelio kept going off for like eight minutes every quarter for some reason. Toby Green looked like he probably didn't have match fitness, which he probably didn't, but I'm not touching yep. Giants players anymore until I can work out what the hell they're doing in their existence. That's fair. Um, Lake Dog, Isaac Heaney, 44% of teams own him. He had an 81 on the weekend. Is it over? Has the bubble burst? <laughs> is the housing no, market collapsing? No, or is he, still, this... is he still the real deal until one of us trades no, him in? My bet will never end. My bet will never end. Damo? And this probably sits in the same basket as Paddy McCartan, hopefully... This player also comes back happy and well, but Dustin Martin was spotted at Richmond training and participated in drills, so we could see him coming back at some point, and he's still only just a touch over 500k, so once he comes back, he's potentially an option. 
By the way, could we just bite the bullet as a crew? Can one of you trade in Isaac Heaney? I need this to be over. I was I don't so want close. to buy a Sydney membership. I do not want to buy a Sydney membership in this bet. I was very close to doing it this weekend after English it. came out uh, with that knee injury, and I didn't. because. Can you I- upgrade Daniel Rioli to Isaac Heaney, please, Patch? Well, I kind of want to see you buy a Sydney membership, so mm. I don't know if I will. And I'm just going to mention this name because we do need to wrap up. But Jack Zebel, still not a trading option. He's dropped a further 30K. He's 130K cheaper than he was at the start of the year. What what a nightmare that has become for anyone who started him. Awful situation. Um, with Danny Rioli, did we decide to trade him out? Are we holding? We I feel like we briefly discussed him and moved straight I think, on to I think he's uh, in that boat where we're stuck with him until... Until we've got other problems. I have to just sit in the mess that I've made. I'd love you to trade him out, though. That'd be huge for me. It would be huge for you. You have to sit in your pile of bees. Oh, (laughs) I don't want to sit in the pile of bees. They're defending themselves somehow. (laughs) Gentlemen, that is, uh, as always, a pod that went longer than anticipated. Get your questions in for Damo and Clarky. Hashtag Jock Mailbag. Ask away so they can record and answer all your questions in that other podcast. Damo, anything you'd like to say about the podcast? Just me and Clarkie this week, hoping to get a guest on for next week. Uh, couldn't nail this person down quick enough, but uh, just me and Clarkie, but hopefully you'll still get your questions in because we'll go through the captaincy as well. Patch, thank you for joining. I Look, we had a time... There were some times had, and hopefully there was some useful information handed out. Um, I don't recall any of it, but I don't feel like that's... Uh... Thank you, Lake Dog. <laughs> My brain's fallen apart. Throw to Damo. Good God. Damo, you're doing God's work. Everyone can hit you up on Twitter. Thank you for joining. No worries. Thanks, Patch, but I think your EXE is not responding, so... Goodbye, community.